I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. There's always more room on the range. Bring a friend. You know they're thinking it too. It's high noon for Tuesday, December 14th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcotour.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. Today is the 328th day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You would never, ever, in a million years, not ever, trust a conspiracy theorist, someone whose sources you're not familiar with. Where did you get that information, you say, scowling, imagining that whatever you read on CNN.com could surely be backed up by every other mainstream media source, and whatever they said would not be backed up by any mainstream media source. And you figured, hey, this is what smart people do. They try to figure out whether or not there's a good reason to dismiss what other people say based on what everybody like me agrees is true. And now you've got a track record for that. And it's a piss poor one, actually. You are basically oh for a thousand and the conspiracy theorists are like 900 of a thousand. You know, there's some stuff out there that was probably a little uh, overzealous. You can propose two or three different possible paths, and only one of them will happen. Two of them will happen. The third one will be a complete miss. That's true. It happens. It happens. Because nobody can predict the future. But we can predict the future in one sense, and that's that whatever the mainstream media is telling you is going to be absolutely, completely, bizarro world opposite wrong. Every single time which is why you're wrong every single time and why you continue making atrocious choices in your life, whether they're with the people that you used to have close relationships with or whether it's your medical status and you just decided to inject yourself with an experimental gene therapy that quite obviously kills a hell of a lot of people to protect you from a disease that wasn't going to kill you. So those are some extraordinarily bad decisions that you've been led to through your adherence to the central narrative and through the bigotry that you express toward people who have different opinions than you do and who actually spent time looking for facts and analysis and thinking about these very important issues. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I've been thinking about it, obviously, the whole time. I talk about this stuff a lot, but... I'm wondering if there won't be kind of a narrative singularity where the time between when something is called a conspiracy theory and when it actually happens for real in the real world in front of everybody, you know, it used to be a few years and then it got down to, you know, 18 months. That was probably about where we were at the start of the pandemic. If you are considering the mainstream media in this analysis, you know, 18 months later, 20 months later, whatever it is, the mainstream media is being forced in every possible way to accept that our version of the COVID narrative is absolutely unquestionably true. And that what they were being told by the experts and the science that they trusted has done nothing for them, but 
reduce the amount of people in their lives who will tell them the truth and substantially reduce their immune system because they got suckered into taking an experimental gene therapy for a disease that wasn't going to kill them on the basis of thinking because the television said so that they were going to save everybody else's lives. Well, like I said, congratulations, commies. Everybody knows that you are a very serious person who would never consider any opinion that wasn't already approved by everyone else exactly like you. Look where you are. Congratulations for real. Now, if you're the sort of communist who's like, man, yeah, that happened. I did that. I did that for a while. Well, the good news for you is that there is still time to migrate back to America. And all you have to do is permanently let go of all of those deranged, stupid and evil communist ideas that you were holding on to. Like, you can't trust these people saying something other than what I already think is true. That is a very, very stupid and very, very evil idea. Okay. You can feel the bigotry inside you as a result of being trained into that belief. And that is a major problem. You inadvertently walked yourself into a hate movement. It's all good. It's all good because you can make up for it. But it happened, right? So you got to get rid of all those stupid and evil communist ideas. And then you have to go make amends with all those people that you shamed and bullied and slandered and censored and tried to get fired from their jobs. You know those people, the people whose relationships with you you intentionally destroyed because you were concerned that them having other opinions besides the approved ones were going to make you look bad. And you might eventually have to sacrifice your social status by continuing your relationship with those people. Now, again, I told you, you inadvertently walked yourself into a hate movement, but you can get out and simply migrate back to America where Americans will welcome you with open arms because we want more Americans involved in the project of human liberty and self-governance. And with that, I would love to extend a warm Tuesday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies. Welcome to the show, commies. I know one funny thing about being a communist is that you don't think it's true. You're like, well, you know, I have a lot of these mainstream viewpoints, but I'm not a communist. I'm, in fact, rich via my parents, and I love spending money. I love traveling places. I love buying stuff. I love all my favorite brands like Nike and Yves Saint Laurent and Black Lives Matter and Antifa. And I say, oh, hey, wait a second, commie. Did you just say Black Lives Matter Antifa? Well, uh, those are communist groups. But well, okay, yeah, we'll leave it aside. Yes, you're very rich and you spend money that you didn't, you know, generate yourself. And I know you have a job. I know you have a job. I understand. But you don't spend all that money that you're making. That's the money you're making just pays your bills and stuff. I get it. I get it. I've been around plenty of you. I understand, Kami. And you think that that makes you a capitalist because you like expensive things and you can feel a personal greed exuding from you. And you think, oh, well, that must make me a capitalist. Well, no, you see, the thing is, you actually believe everything that the state propaganda media tells you. You go right along with it. You repeat their slogans dutifully out in the world. Okay, you are fine with medical tyranny and a surveillance state. You are encouraging a covid health pass, which is now being passed into law in the UK. But that that was just a conspiracy theory 18 months ago. Because you couldn't see what the ultimate plan was. And of course, you can't see it now either. And if you could see it, you wouldn't understand anyway, because that would require you accepting the fact that if the governments of the world in unison can have you on a vaccine passport where they tell you when to get vaccinated. All right. And that vaccine passport links right in with your social credit score like they have in China. So that they monitor where you go and what you say and what you type into your phone and on the Internet. And then they give you a score. Are you welcome to be part of society based on the way you are supporting or not supporting the state? And then they have an environmental score. So if you drive the wrong car or you drive too much or you eat too much meat or you're not into eating grasshoppers, 
Well, then you get your environmental credits reduced. And then the last thing, of course, is the global digital currency that they want to link to your health pass, to your social credit score and to your environmental score. And so you have all of those right in one app. And that app tells everybody in the world whether or not you are a good person and deserve to participate in society. Isn't that exciting? Now, I am more than willing to accept all arguments from each and every one of you about how that is not setting the basis for worldwide global communism forever. That right there, my friends, is the end of human freedom. And you are supporting regimes that are walking us right into it. You did that when you complained about Donald Trump because you thought he made you look bad. And listen, Kami, I get it. I was doing the same thing about Trump in 2015 and 2016. I'm not doing it in 2021 after the government has stripped my liberty from me. After the governor of California, with a snap of a finger, took away a career I had worked in for 15 plus years, I wouldn't be saying those things in 2021 because it's impossible to keep saying those things once what this thing is has actually touched your real life. The fact that you are still where you are says that none of this situation has affected you pretty much at all, which makes you one of the most privileged people in the world. And if you don't understand how there is a free class of the most privileged people in the world, which, by the way, you're not staying in, okay? You're there right now, and you get to imagine that you're always going to be there. But you're not. You are not in Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates' club, okay? You got to understand that. So there's a free class, and then everyone underneath has to do exactly what the state commands or they will be removed from participation in normal life. And that, my friends, actually is communism. And I'm sorry that you were taught communism in your public school as a small mind for the state to meld. I'm sorry that you were taught it was a workers' movement where the workers all got together and rose up against the power structure, and then they got to own part of the company too. And everybody I know, they come home from work with soot covering them from the factory, and they hide in a basement talking about Karl Marx and being hipsters, and it seems oh so quaint and twee. And you love it. You love every bit of it. Except that's not what communism is. Why in the world would anyone in power put that system in place unless it helped them? Holy shit. I mean, honestly, the people who have been trying to dominate the world have been trying to put this system in place for centuries and millennia. And now they finally have the technology to be able to do it. And they have a large enough, they think, Audience of child-brained morons who are happy to help them march their way into it. And you see, it just is. Okay? And if that still is hard for you to imagine, then let's visit in with Senator Richard Blumenthal of the Democrat Communist Party. This is from American Greatness yesterday, Deborah Hine. Senator Richard Blumenthal helps Connecticut Communist Party celebrate 102nd anniversary of CPUSA. Senator Richard Blumenthal, Democrat communist from Connecticut, said he was excited and proud to help the Connecticut Communist Party celebrate the 102nd anniversary of the founding of the Communist Party USA over the weekend. On Saturday, the Connecticut People's World Committee presented its annual Amistad Awards to State Senator Julie Kushner, from a Democrat communist from Danbury, Pastor Rodney Wade of Waterbury and SEIU activist Azusenia Santiago at a union hall in New Haven, the Yankee Institute reported, and they have video of the event. So they're not even making it up. Isn't that crazy, commies? Blumenthal was the surprise guest to help celebrate the occasion and share his appreciation of the awardees. I'm really excited and honored to be with you today and share in this remarkable occasion. Blumenthal gushed after he was introduced. 
the awardees were, quote, recognized for their commitment to organizing priorities that address racial equality, climate change, voting rights, and the common good, said CPWC partners, AFT Connecticut, in a post about the awards. They were also selected for fighting for the rights of essential and all, regardless of immigration status, workers during the pandemic. Oh, so essential workers, you know, the people that they're still keeping masks on to this day. And then, of course, there were workers like me who worked in the fields of things people like to do together. And none of those people were essential at all. And then luckily, everybody in that other class, they could all work from home or they could just, you know, take hiatus for a few months or years or whatever. And so, you know, they weren't essential or non-essential. They just kept working. But yeah, thank goodness the uh, communists are looking out for uh, immigrants. That is what the party, the Communist Party of the USA should do. Hey, you know what? Communist Party of the USA. Truth is, we need more members. What kind of members? Well, let's go find two million of the poorest people on earth. Some of them, many of them criminals, and we'll just bring them here. And on their way here, they can uh, help themselves to the sex trafficking trade, the drug trafficking trade, and whatever else. And if they get here and they're a little upset or they can't find a job or whatever, then we're just going to give them stuff. That's how it's done. Blumenthal stipulated that while one doesn't have to agree with anyone and everyone, and every party, he was happy to honor the great tradition of activism and standing up for individual workers that is represented by the three honorees here. You got that? So he's saying, hey, guys, I mean, ah, it's going to be really hard for me to call myself a communist. So I'm going to say that I don't agree with you about everything and then reiterate that I actually do support everything you're doing in terms of the march toward communism. The senator had a very high opinion of the three leftists receiving the communist award. I've known and worked with all of them. They are extraordinary examples of courage, grace under pressure, ferocious fighting for the rights of working people and for democracy, Blumenthal said. And isn't it amazing how they always say the exact same things? God, it's so great that everybody on their side is always so effective at these same exact issues just by saying it. Hey, let's talk about climate change a lot. That makes us good at solving climate change. These people are morons. I know we're looking back at past achievements, but I want to tell you that the fight ahead is even more challenging than almost anything we've encountered before, because we are at a time when more than any other time in our history, we need to make good trouble in the tradition of John Lewis. He lisped, I mean, added Blumenthal told the attendees that the enemies of communism, Republicans are trying to restrict democracy. And you got that? Isn't that crazy? That Republicans can be the enemy of communism, even though the Democrats aren't communist, according to everyone who's not me, apparently. Our opponents are trying to restrict democracy. They're threatening the right to vote in state after state, congressional district after district and all around the country. And the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, he complained. The senator called any restrictions on voting undemocratic and vowed to fight against them. These fights ahead of us go to the core of the lifeblood of our democracy, he said, adding that he was inspired today at the communist event to redouble his own efforts to abolish the filibuster. Blumenthal went on to tout the Build Back Better plan, $15 minimum wage, and the importance of reelecting Democrats to Congress. Isn't that interesting? You know, for a party that has nothing to do with communism, that's just interesting to say that at a communist event. I'm just saying. There's a lot to be working for in economic justice, in racial equality, in establishing a $15 minimum wage, Blumenthal said, and holding corporations accountable for the basic treatment of the American people. We need to look at our entire tax system, beginning with Build Back Better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The one way to fix the tax system and hold the mega corporations accountable is to implement the plan devised by Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum with all of the world's mega rich and all the countries involved in the rise of global communism. How did I not think of that solution? He thanked his fellow travelers for helping him fight for an equitable, fair America. 
The Connecticut Communist Party is headquartered in New Haven and is run by longtime chairwoman Joelle Fishman, who also serves as chair of the CPUSA Political Action Commission, according to the Yankee Institute. The Communist Party of the United States of America was established in 1919 after a split in the Socialist Party of America following the Russian Revolution. As popular as Blumenthal appears to be with the far left, he is widely scorned by patriotic Americans. Military vets have accused the senator of being guilty of stolen valor. That's true. Due to his repeated claims of having served in Vietnam, when in fact he obtained at least five military deferments between 1965 and 1970. You should be proud that you shared a uniform with so many brave souls who endured the hardships of war. 14 Medal of Honor recipients wrote in a letter to Blumenthal in 2017. But instead, you chose to attempt to deceitfully and craftily join their ranks with your intentionally vague statements and false claims. Quite simply, it is impossible to misspeak about having seen a war. And the bottom of the article actually notes that the video has been removed from the Communist Party's Facebook page. Isn't that stunning? Just chuck that thing right in the memory hole. It never even happened. Richard Blumenthal is not a communist. In fact, there's no evidence of Richard Blumenthal being a communist. You got how that works? Now, let's check in with one of the greatest global communists of all time, Mark Zuckerberg, along with one of the other greatest global communists of all time, honestly, the Nazi doctor himself, Anthony Fauci. This is from the National Pulse today. New Fauci Zuckerberg emails reveal offer of data reports to aid lockdown policies and vaccine development. In private emails between Mark Zuckerberg and Anthony Fauci obtained exclusively by the National Pulse, the Facebook founder and CEO offered to send data reports on users to facilitate decisions about COVID-19 lockdowns. The revelation is a stark example of how big tech corporates and government can easily collude using user data to restrict the liberties of the general public. In the exchange, Zuckerberg insists. I want to make sure you have all the resources you need to expedite the development of a vaccine. Zuckerberg, whose personal foundation referenced in the email, plowed hundreds of millions of dollars into securing a victory for then candidate Joe Biden in 2020, offered the assistance to the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases director just one month after the pair had connected over emails that were redacted by the U.S. government. In full, Zuckerberg's April 8th email to Fauci reads, Tony, I'm writing to thank you again for everything you're doing to see if there's anything else that Facebook, the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, or I personally can be doing to help you in your efforts to fight COVID and to get society back open again. If you're looking at a prolonged period of tightening and loosening shelter restrictions around the country, then if there are aggregate anonymized data reports that Facebook can generate to facilitate these decisions, for example, we'd be happy to do this and want to make sure we're prioritizing the right work. We've kicked off a symptom survey, which will hopefully give a county by county leading indicator of cases to inform public health decisions. If there are other aggregate data resources that you think would be helpful, let me know longer term, and then there's a redaction. And I want to make sure you have all the resources you need to expedite the development of a vaccine. So I guess he's referring to another person or entity, and I would really like to know who that person or entity is. This seems like an area that's getting a lot of investment, but if there are promising approaches that aren't currently being worked on, or if there are areas that could use more resources, let me know and we'd be happy to look at funding them. Oh, that's so great. Facebook would get in and help the vaccine makers come up with a vaccine that doesn't prevent you from getting infected, prevent you from transmitting it, prevent serious illness or prevent death. But it does generate a lot of income for the global communists who are distributing it. Thank you again for your leadership on this. And I know how busy you are, so there's no need to respond to this email if there isn't anything for us to help with right now. I hope you're doing well. Mark. And Fauci responded, thanks for the note and for your offer to help. I will think hard about ways that we may take you up on that offer. Warm regards, Tony. The exchange comes amidst separate emails between the Facebook CEO and NIAID director discussing the social media platforms, coronavirus information hub, and how to control the narrative around the pandemic. When Senator Marsha Blackburn raised the matter earlier this year, Fauci denied knowledge of interactions with the Facebook chief. And this was on MSNBC. He said, I don't have a clue what she just said. I don't have a clue of what she's talking about. I have no idea what she's talking about. I have no idea what she's talking about. And that 
because he said it four times means you know it's true. At the end of their initial communique, there is a redacted section of the email, which some claim is an offer from Zuckerberg to censor certain topics. The news comes as Facebook lawyers admit their fact check endeavors are little more than opinions by third party partners of the firm. The company has deleted thousands of posts and accounts related to COVID-19 based on these fact checks. And of course, they link the email that is Raheem Kassam and Natalie Winters reporting for National Pulse. Now we're going to stay with the National Pulse and we're going to stay with the Fauci subject because it seems like things are getting far, far worse for Anthony Fauci. And I'm going to get to the Peter McCullough episode of Joe Rogan in a little bit. But while we're here, I want to share this with you. And this is in National Pulse today, Kay Smythe or Smith, a pandemic of the vaccinated. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control announced this week that 80 percent of COVID-19 Omicron variant cases are found in so-called fully vaccinated individuals. Forty seven percent of Omicron cases, which are far milder than original COVID-19 cases, are found in those who received the first round of vaccinations. And with 33 percent of cases found in people with both vaccination and booster shots, only 19 percent of cases were identified in unvaccinated individuals. In a surveillance report released in the first week of December, the CDC described 43 cases of Omicron in the United States. No deaths and no hospitalizations have been linked to the variant. Symptoms are mild in both the unvaccinated and vaccinated. Cases were reported in 22 states. 58% of those testing positive were between the ages of 18 and 39. People under the age of 18 and over the age of 65 accounted for 9% of the cases. Omicron was initially identified by the World Health Organization in Botswana. Though the first case was only found on November 24th and no cases were recorded in the U.S. until December 1st, but that December 1st announcement was from November 22nd. I'm almost positive that's true, and I think they might have missed that in this article. The Biden administration suspended entry to the U.S. for non-citizens on November 26th, and that has helped so much, I'm sure. Two days later, on November 28th, the CDC expanded their voluntary airport-based genomic surveillance program in Atlanta, New York City, Newark, and San Francisco. The official CDC measures to slow domestic spread of the Omicron variant include contact tracing, case investigation, and ensuring compliance with isolation and quarantine guidance. Oh. Despite a majority of cases being identified in individuals who have received the COVID-19 vaccination and boosters, the CDC does not discuss the link between the vaccine and Omicron, nor has it discussed any plans to investigate these links. Yeah. Why would they want to know that? Why would they want to know if the vaccine itself was the problem, especially when it is so obviously the problem? Oh, no, you can't say that. You can't say that. Yeah. Yeah, I can. It's pretty obvious by now that the vaccine is the problem. The vaccine has been the problem for a very, very long time. Everybody knows the vaccine is a problem. Everybody knows what the vaccine program is designed to do and what it is designed to lead us into. But you pretend you pretend you can't say that covid by itself is not particularly dangerous for almost everybody, even though it might be dangerous for some people, which is very sad. And you pretend that getting the vaccine is a good thing for society, even though it can't bring us any closer to herd immunity. And it does weaken your immune system and it does not protect you from the disease that you couldn't have died from anyway. So, yeah, I can say it. How long will it take me to go from being tremendously irresponsible to exactly right again? Meanwhile, research from Public Health Ontario and University of Toronto are pushing for a longer time period between vaccines in order to reduce rates of myocarditis and pericarditis, except for the fact that that's not going to change it, is it? Do you already know that? Yeah, kind of. Can I say it? Sure can. Their research findings identified that myocarditis and pericarditis rates are higher for individuals with a shorter interdose interval. And sure they are. Sure they are. The highest rates were found in males 18 to 24 who received, and by the way, this is 38.1% of the cases, who received Moderna's mRNA-1273 vaccine as the second dose. Therefore, the researchers argued that all individuals should have to wait for a longer time between each COVID-19 vaccination in order to reduce the associated risks only now being identified in scientific research. So, can you get 
too much of the spike protein that goes in and messes up your heart from one dose. Sure you can. But are you more likely when you go get more doses of the vaccine that doesn't work at all? Yeah, you are. Now, the vaccine doesn't work at all. And if it works a little bit at the beginning, it certainly stops working very quickly after that. Everybody knows that. So what do the very smart scientists at University of Toronto and Public Health Ontario think is a good idea on how to solve the heart damage problem because of getting a vaccine that doesn't keep you from getting infected or getting sick or dying for a disease that can't kill you? What do they think the solution is? Just wait longer till the next one. That'll do it. That'll do it. Well, at least we're going to test it. And so, yeah, you know, our whole thing about boosters is you have to have them kind of like one after the other, after the other, after the other until you die eventually. You know, maybe it's 50 years from now or maybe it's two and a half years from now if you get myocarditis. But we're going to give you one again and again and again and again and again and again and again because that's the only way we think that it might be able to work. So the way we're going to solve the myocarditis problem is we're going to have you get this vaccine that we know isn't going to work, but you're going to get them farther apart because that might reduce the instances of myocarditis. And still, you have to get it if you're 18, even though there's no chance of you dying from COVID. You got it? Now get on out there and make these pharma companies rich. As there are no differences in the symptomology of vaccinated and unvaccinated individuals experiencing Omicron, and all reported symptoms are mild, the CDC and the Biden regime's severe response to this new, very scary variant of COVID-19 has repeatedly been called out by medical researchers, the media, and others as anti-African and illogical. In the UK, the Public Administration and Constitutional Affairs Committee published an article noting that the push for vaccine passports throughout the country lack the scientific rigor and evidence for implementation, given what is known of the spread of COVID-19 and its variants. Analysis by Public Health England found that vaccines are unlikely to stop the spread of the virus. The committee's post further referenced minutes from a SAGE panel, the government's scientific advisory panel where members warned that there is limited vaccine effect against onward transmission. Wow, that's incredible, isn't it? So the Omicron variant looks exactly the same in people who have it while unvaccinated and people who have it while vaccinated, assuming that they actually have any means of testing for this. And really, they don't. But let's just assume that all of this is accurate, at least enough to make these statements, which it probably isn't. So you get the same symptoms either way. There is no difference in the effect of the disease on you, no matter whether you are vaccinated or unvaccinated. No difference. But with the vaccinated, you can get all those heart problems and a million other problems, including dying right on the spot. Yes, it does happen. Yes, gonna say it. And You don't do a single damn thing for transmission, infection, serious illness, or death. And you certainly don't do anything for herd immunity. So someone tell me what the vaccine does. Someone tell me, what does the vaccine do? Committee Chair William Ragg said, We have often heard throughout the pandemic that the government will follow the science, but when afforded the opportunity to provide it on COVID passports, it has failed to do so. All we have is a flimsy claim that there is a public health case, but without any foundation for the claim to stand on. Rag goes on to describe how vaccinated individuals are just as likely to carry the virus as unvaccinated individuals. There is no scientific evidence behind Boris Johnson's push for vaccine passports as a means of controlling or mitigating the pandemic. And what could be more obvious? The vaccine passport at this point could signal nothing more than complicity with the global communist party. It just says, hey, I'm on your team. And the people who are creating the vaccine passports chuckle like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're on, uh, you're, you're on our team. Sure. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, we're not on your team, but you, you're on our team. Thank you very much for playing right along. You're perfect. I wish everyone was just like you, but it doesn't show in any way that you are any safer and neither does a vaccine card 
There's nothing about the vaccine that makes anybody safer. In fact, it only exposes you to new risks that you did not have prior unless unless and this is only a possibility unless you are old enough with enough significant other comorbidities and health problems that the antibodies that are provided for maybe a few days or a few weeks, assuming you aren't dead by then from the vaccine, that those antibodies provided might might help you reduce the seriousness of a COVID infection if you happen to be exposed to the coronavirus. If you're an old person with significant comorbidities and you take the vaccine and then you go back home and the only person you see is a relative every few weeks, kind of, you know, your life is mostly at home. You kind of go, you're retired. You go through the day-to-day kind of stuff. You spend some time on FaceTime with the grandkids. You read some articles. You got some projects. Maybe you play cards with a couple other vaccinated individuals. And you're not exposed to COVID-19. So assuming that the antibodies could help at all for any brief period of time, they would have to help in the situation where you were actually exposed to the coronavirus. All of this is absolutely bananas. Now let's listen to some clips from the Nazi doctor. I kind of teased that before. Here they are. Earlier, it's, it's been a year to the day since vaccines uh, first came out, but it's also well, well more than a year in, into this pandemic. And we were looking at, at the death toll in the first nine months of the pandemic, uh, from, February, from the first death on February 29th, 2020, to nine months later, 269,000 deaths, a little bit more. And in the last nine months, very close to that, 255,000. Uh, and those are nine months in which the vaccine, a highly effective vaccine has been available and free and distrib- distributed around the country. Why hasn't it gotten any better in terms of the overall death toll? And does it surprise you? Uh, and well, it doesn't because there are two things that are converging here, Jim. One is we're dealing with Delta. We didn't have Delta a year ago. We're dealing with a much more formidable virus in every respect. Superimposed upon that, if we had optimally implemented our vaccine program, those numbers would have been down. Those are many of them, not all of them. Many of them are unnecessary deaths because we have up to 60 million people in this country who are eligible to be vaccinated, who have not gotten vaccinated. We've got to be doing better than that if we really want to get this thing over with. Now, there's not a remotely scientific ounce of truth in anything that the Nazi doctor, Anthony Fauci, just said. Okay, there is no way that vaccinating the rest of those 60 million people would have somehow reduced the death rate this year. He is also trying to pretend that Delta is more serious than the original virus, even though it is less deadly and they say more transmissible. But honestly, who is actually buying this last year without a vaccine? The most brand new virus that has ever happened to the world that no one knew how to treat in any way. A brand new coronavirus came upon the world and devastated everybody. And then we got a very safe and very effective vaccine that just so happens not to prevent infection, transmission, serious illness or death, but we have it. And so. The deaths last year with that brand new virus we didn't know how to treat are lower than the deaths now with a vaccine because not enough people got the vaccine. If you are the kind of person who still believes anything this man is saying, I cannot help you. Okay. You are beyond help. What you should do is commit yourself to reading Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s The Real Anthony Fauci. And if the way he has handled coronavirus, killing people intentionally, intentionally, is not enough to convince you that Anthony Fauci is a Nazi doctor, well then, listen to the part about what he did with AIDS and how many people he killed there and in Africa. And maybe listen to the part about his experiments on foster children. And of course, the stuff about dogs, we already know. And then listen to the part about how Anthony Fauci basically controls the scientific funding worldwide. And then wonder to yourself, how is it 
that doctors and scientists and nurses and hospitals and insurance providers and whatever else, how come none of them came out and spoke up? And you'll find one answer to all of those questions. And it happens to be Nazi doctor, Anthony Fauci. Here's a little more of NDAF. This would not be the first time if it happened that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. There was the history of the respiratory syncytial virus vaccine in children, which paradoxically made the children worse. One of the HIV vaccines that we tested several years ago actually made individuals more likely to get infected. Now, that clip is from last year, but it's been making the rounds again, obviously, because of the content of it and because of what we're seeing happen with the vaccines. This is from the New York Post on March 21st, 2020. Okay, so that is a full year and nine months ago. The headline is Mark Zuckerberg talks coronavirus with Anthony Fauci on Facebook Live. This is Adam Schrader reporting. America's coronavirus expert had a choice to make. Stand beside President Trump at a White House briefing or take questions from a billionaire techie, Mark Zuckerberg, on Facebook. Dr. Anthony Fauci picked the Facebook gig. Fauci and Zuckerberg had a 37-minute Facebook Live conversation Thursday about the fast-spreading infection, which is forcing tens of millions of Americans to stay off the job and in their homes. And of course, no, it wasn't. That was our government doing that. The men talked about many aspects of COVID-19, from the clinical trials for a vaccine to how to slow community transmissions. Fauci, who leads the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, told Zuckerberg that any vaccine would need to be tested on hundreds, possibly thousands of people before it could be brought to market. So far, 45 people have been given a vaccine in the first phase of its testing. Now, this is March 21st, 2020. Okay, we locked down one week before that. This was the first week of lockdown and they're already testing a vaccine. Just keep it in mind at the fastest we can go. It's going to take a year and a half to know if we have a vaccine that we can use. Fauci told the Facebook CEO later. Fauci cautioned this would not be the first time if it happened that a vaccine looked good in initial safety testing, but actually made people worse. On Friday, Trump and Fauci sparred over whether an anti-malarial drug would be effective in treating coronavirus. The president called the drug a game changer and Fauci called for more testing. During the Facebook Live town hall, Fauci stressed that the U.S. is still in the escalation phase of the virus, which spreads too efficiently. That's a scientific term, by the way. The native New Yorker told Zuckerberg he hopes social distancing will stymie the virus, much the way it did with the related virus that causes severe acute respiratory syndrome. But that's not actually what made that go away. It just stopped. Nobody changed their lives at all for that. What I certainly would like to see is what happened with SARS, Fauci said. When public health measures essentially suppressed it, it disappeared and never came back. And for more on Fauci reducing the use of hydroxychloroquine and making sure that the world not, could not access hydroxychloroquine, I would suggest, once again, going to that part of The Real Anthony Fauci by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. You will find every single thing you need to know about Anthony Fauci in that book. And every little bit of it points to him being one of the most evil men who has ever been alive. Now let's jump to Kyle Becker in Becker News. This is yesterday, famous COVID study that shows natural immunity is superior to vaccinated immunity is replicated by scientists. And by the way, Alex Berenson has a piece about this same thing today, but he just happens to be a day later than Kyle Becker. That's pretty disappointing if you're an Alex Berenson fan. I mean, if you are still stuck in the central narrative so hard that you need to listen to Alex Berenson, well, just know that you will always be behind forever. The COVID pandemic has led to the constant refrain from U.S. public health authorities to get vaccinated at all costs. However, there is one missing aspect to the conversation that most of the American public has ignored, natural immunity. A widely cited scientific study that shows natural immunity is superior to vaccinated immunity has been independently replicated. The famous Israeli study thus continues to grow in scientific reliability. The latest study states that, quote, confirmed infection rates increased according to time elapsed since the last immunity conferring event in all cohorts. For unvaccinated previously infected individuals, they increased from 
per 100,000 risk days for those previously infected four to six months ago to 30.2 for those previously infected over a year ago. For individuals receiving a single dose following prior infection, they increased from 3.7 to 100,000 person days among those vaccinated in the past two months to 11.6 for those vaccinated over six months ago. For vaccinated previously uninfected individuals, the rate per 100,000 person days increased from 21.1 for persons vaccinated within the first two months to 88.9 for those vaccinated more than six months ago. Thus, the vaccinated previously uninfected individuals are two to three times more likely to be reinfected after six months than unvaccinated previously infected individuals. One of the more useful aspects of this study is that it unpacks the overlap between vaccinated immunity and natural immunity. Some research suggests the overlap between the two categories may be as high as 60 to 70 percent. Therefore, claims about vaccinated immunity may be benefiting from the fact that over half of the United States is estimated to have natural immunity. The conclusion from researchers who replicated the Israeli study, protection from reinfection decreases with the time since previous infection, but is nevertheless higher than that conferred by vaccination with two doses at a similar time since the last immunity conferring event. A single vaccine dose after infection helps to restore protection. Earlier, an Israeli study came to similar conclusions. This study demonstrated that natural immunity confers longer lasting and stronger protection against infection, symptomatic disease and hospitalization caused by the Delta variant of SARS-CoV-2 compared to the BNT162B2 two-dose vaccine-induced immunity, an Israeli study said. Based on cases, the CDC's figures estimate that at least 200 million Americans have been infected with COVID-19, thus possessing superior natural immunity. And by the way, probably creating herd immunity, which doesn't mean that no one ever gets sick. It just means it is not a public health problem. Despite the obvious failure of vaccines to stop the spread, the myths about natural immunity abound. A Washington Post perspective piece from September, however, got it right. Dr. Marty McCarry, a professor at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine and Bloomberg School of Public Health, was correct in his assessment of the situation. More than 15 studies have demonstrated the power of immunity acquired by previously having the virus. He continued. A 700,000 person study from Israel two weeks ago found that those who had experienced prior infections were 27 times less likely to get a second symptomatic COVID infection than those who were vaccinated. This affirmed a June Cleveland Clinic study of healthcare workers who are often exposed to the virus in which none who had previously tested positive for the coronavirus got reinfected. And by the way, it's important to note here that what they're talking about with a reinfection is two positive tests, it seems. The study authors concluded that individuals who have had SARS-CoV-2 infection are unlikely to benefit from COVID-19 vaccination. And in May, a Washington University study found that even a mild COVID infection resulted in long-lasting immunity. Whoops, I guess the whole vaccine thing is kind of falling apart, isn't it? The Johns Hopkins professor referred to 15 studies on natural immunity resulting from prior infections to COVID-19. A famous article from Brownstone listed 30 such scientific studies on the benefit of COVID-19 natural immunity, in addition to adding four more to its comprehensive list of 140 scientific studies on natural immunity. Add one more to the list. So again, what are you supposed to think of Nazi doctor Anthony Fauci as he goes out on television, tells people to get vaccinated, tells people to get booster shots, and is trying to vaccinate your children? knowing all the while that this is unquestionably the most dangerous, deadly, and injury-causing vaccine they have ever dealt with. And by the way, it's not a vaccine, and it doesn't work at all. But wait, 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 it gets worse. This is Technofog from today. The FDA approves boosters for minors without testing boosters on minors. Age group testing? Zero. Late last week on December 9th, the FDA approved the emergency use authorization for the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine, authorizing the use of a single booster dose for administration to individuals 16 and 17 years of age. The booster is to be given at least six months after vaccination. Before we get to the data the FDA cited in the booster for kids age 16 to 17, let's go through the facts. 
COVID is not a threat to teenagers aged 16 to 17. On October 25th, we warned that the FDA was about to approve an experimental COVID-19 vaccine for children. It seemed unnecessary to give the EUA Pfizer vaccine to minors, as CDC data showed that for children aged 5 to 11 years old, there have been 1.8 million COVID-19 cases and only 138 deaths. And by the way, there are none of those that were in healthy children of that age. They all had other causes of death. You even I played the clip on the podcast months ago. But in front of the uh, Senate committee, Rochelle Walensky and Janet Woodcock both testified that they had no idea whether or not any healthy child had died from COVID without other causes. No idea. Even the CDC concedes that, quote, children are less likely to develop serious illness or die from COVID-19, end quote. The Pfizer vaccine is particularly dangerous for young men aged 16 to 17. As we observed back in October, teenage boys are especially at risk for heart problems like myocarditis after getting the Pfizer vaccine. Boys between 16 and 19 years of age had the highest incidence of myocarditis after the second dose. The risk of heart problems in boys of that age was about nine times higher than in unvaccinated boys of that same age. And you know who reported that? The New York Times. That by itself, that alone is caused to never ever vaccinate any kid anywhere ever. How do people not understand this? It is not a small price to pay. It's not a statistically insignificant number when it's your kid or your friend. And even if you are going to make that argument, there has to be something else on the other side. What benefit are you gaining? And the truth is there is no benefit whatsoever. And everybody knows it. Our failure to admit this as a culture is us perpetuating an obvious crime against humanity. You got that? That is not hyperbole. What are you supposed to call it when the society is forcing people to vaccinate their kids with something that might kill them for something that surely can't. And the vaccine isn't a vaccine and doesn't work. Okay. So what benefit are you achieving? And these people, these commies still believe that somehow herd immunity is going to come when we get enough people vaccinated. Here's the thing, commie. No one else is getting vaccinated ever, anywhere, I would bet that 1% tops of the entire unvaccinated community in the world is your target market. The rest of the target market for these pharma companies is you commies. And they're going to sign you up for the medical experiment over and over and over and over again for the rest of your lives. And they will take every ounce of freedom that you have away to achieve it. Because none of us are ever getting this bullshit because we're not that gullible. Okay. You're not wiser. You're not more educated. You haven't studied this better. You don't have better sources. You don't have a better understanding of the material. You haven't read more studies. You haven't read more legal cases. You haven't done any of it. What you think is that people like you are smarter and better so therefore, you must be right. And once again, I'm here to remind you that you have inadvertently walked yourself into a hate movement. You are part of that hate movement. What you are expressing is bigotry. You are doing so on behalf of the same historical evil that was responsible for World War II and communism in Russia and China. The same historical evil. Yes, I'm sorry to say it. You, my friend, are a good German. You are sitting aside. You are doing what you're told. You don't want to upset anybody. You want to go along to get along. Everything's just going to be fine if we do what they say. And if all these people who weren't listening, if they would just be like us and do what those people say, well, maybe all this would be over. And yeah, there's no indication that that's true at all. But Keep saying it, keep saying it because it feels 
like it should be true if you're right about the fact that you are very wise and very smart and very moral and you have all the experts and all the science and everybody on your team is just doing the best they can and occasionally making mistakes. But none of that is true. None of that is true. Back to Technofog. The risk of myocarditis for boys 16 to 19 years old is higher after the Pfizer's second dose. What happens after the third dose? That's a good question. One would rightly assume that the third dose might present more danger of heart problems than the second dose. But FDA doesn't have the answer to this question. And why doesn't it have the answer? Because the FDA didn't look. Because the FDA conducted zero tests in this age bracket before approving the latest Pfizer booster for this age bracket. Instead, the FDA relied on prior old data from only 200 participants, 18 through 55 years of age. Instead of looking at long-term data for the efficacy of the Pfizer booster shot, the FDA reviewed, quote, the antibody response against SARS-CoV-2 virus one month after a booster dose of the vaccine. You got that? That's end quote, by the way. But you got that? Their claims to vaccine efficacy are based on whether or not they are able to find the creation of antibodies. And I don't imagine that they have checked whether or not someone has had COVID before. They often don't with these trials. They just give you the best possible numbers they can work out for themselves. But why aren't we testing for antibodies before people get vaccinated? Let's say that the vaccine actually does do what they're saying, right? It generates antibodies. Those antibodies have some chance of preventing you from getting seriously ill from a disease that won't kill you. Let's say their best case scenario. I mean, they don't even try to claim that they can get herd immunity or that you could be prevented from getting sick. They don't try to claim any of that anymore. All right. So the best case scenario is that antibodies are created and that that might help you get a lower form of COVID. It might not be as serious. Well, why don't they just test you for antibodies beforehand? And then you wouldn't need the vaccine at all. I mean, if your concern was public health. But of course, the concern has never been about public health. And everybody with more than a child's brain can see that. Now, I mentioned yesterday that there was a hearing in Pima County, Arizona, and I want to play a clip from that to give you a little bit of an update. But it seems like things are still progressing there. I know not on a timeline that any of us really like or enjoy. It makes it feel like nothing is happening, but things are happening. Things are moving forward. No one's giving up. That's the ultimate truth. No one is giving up. Everyone who is involved in the Fix 2020 mission is still on course. And that's the most important thing. People need to join that mission, not get frustrated. All right. So here is Sonny Borelli, Mark Fincham, et cetera. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being here today. Uh, this is a very important uh, moment in history. You have a right to scrutinize your elections. The elections belong to the people, not to the government. So how did we kind of get to here? It started back in November when uh, Representative Fitchum received an email. So Representative Fitchum, will you please tell everybody about that? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, just to give you some context and history, on November 10th of 2020, um, we received an email that was actually included in some of the testimony and evidence from the November 30th hearing last year in Maricopa County. It's important for, for me to read the email in its entirety because that is what sets the stage for what has happened in the intervening months, the last over the last 10 months, the investigation that we have engaged in, um, private sourcing uh, a few legislators and certainly pulling public records and the records that we could get access to. This email is, um, as I said, dated November 10th and is addressed to criminal division at the U.S. Department of Justice. Um, this is an anonymous reporting and I do not want to be included in this investigation. Thank you. Please be advised that Pima County Recorder, located at 240 North Stone Avenue, Tucson, Arizona, 85701 in Pima County, Arizona, and the Democrat Party added, quote, fraud votes, end quote. In the initial count of the vote by mail, VBM, totals released at 8 p.m. on November 3rd, 2020. There are approximately 35,000 fraud votes added to each Democrat candidate's vote totals. 
Candidates impacted include county, state, and federal election candidates. Through the utilization of the automated ballot count machines in Pima County elections, my understanding is that 35,000 was embedded into each Democrat candidate's total votes. Below are the meeting notes. In a meeting I was invited to by the Democrat Party in Pima County, Arizona on September 10th, 2020, no phones or recording devices were allowed. A presentation was given, including detailed plans to embed 35,000 votes in a spread configured distribution to each Democrat candidate's vote totals. When I asked, quote, how in the world would 35,000 votes be kept hidden or from being discovered, end quote. It was stated that spread distribution will embed will be embedded across the total registered vote range and will not exceed the registered voter count. And the 35,000 was determined allowable for Pima County based on our county registered voter count. It was also stated total, quote, total voter turnout versus total registered voters determined how many votes we can embed. The embedding will also adjust based on voter turnout, quote, because the Quote, embedded votes are distributed sporadically. All embedded votes will not be found if audited because the embeds are in groups of approximately 1,000. This is so the county recorder can declare an, quote, oversight issue or error as a group of 1,000 is a normal and acceptable error. Maricopa, County, Maricopa County's embed totals will be substantially larger than Pima due to embeds being calculated based on the total number of registered voters. <clears throat> when I asked, quote, has this ever been tested and how do we know it works, end quote, the response was, yes, this has been, has been tested and has shown significant success in Arizona judicial retention elections since 2014, even undetectable in post-audits because no candidate will spend the kind of funds needed to audit and contact voters to verify votes in the full potential of the total registered voters, which is more than 500,000 registered voters. This year, our Secretary of State has removed precinct-level detail from election night releases, so candidates can't see precinct overvotes. This is what I have from this meeting. Just thought I'd report this. Not sure if you can do anything since I was unable to have a recording device at this meeting. Thank you, B. Watson. One additional piece uh, of information about this, Mr. Chairman, is that uh, we were able to identify the IP address where the email came from. Um, it is a computer in Tucson. However, that's as far as we could go. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So which one's it going to be, commies? Is it going to be uh, baseless claims? Is it going to be ignored? As you say, it was the safest and most secure election of all time. Are you going to say that's not fraud? It's not fraud enough to have changed the results. It's not widespread or systemic, even though that's exactly what they're describing. Literally widespread and systemic. They have an entire program set up to steal elections on the assumption that no one's going to check. And isn't it strange that in the year and a month and a half since that election, one thing that the communists have tried to do harder than everything else is make sure no one checks. But hey, I know it's all a conspiracy theory. And yeah, it's been 13 months. So if we're still at a year and a half, we're a few months away from everybody knowing. But the truth is, commie. Everybody already kind of knows. And the conspiracy singularity <laughs> is closing rapidly. And you all are screwed. So for real, get out while you can. You don't actually have to go down with this sinking ship. Just control your ego. Admit you have been wrong the entire time. Admit what it is you are actually supporting and get out. Help us reverse this before it's too late. 
That's what you can do, Kami, because your other choice, your other choice is to allow that conspiracy theory singularity to happen. And then everybody is going to know that the things we say are actually true in the real world, you know, where it matters. And everybody's going to know where your position was. What do you think they're going to think of you? Honestly, you see, I have been punished to no end financially, socially, and otherwise by the positions I chose to take, but I stayed with them because they were right. And I actually care about the morality of the things I say and think and do. And maybe I didn't always, not to this degree. I'm not saying I'm some perfect person, but I am saying that my conscience is clean and yours is going to be an absolute disaster. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can join the discussion at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcouture.com. You can also go direct to that at shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. I'll see you next time out on the range. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofi. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!